0: Hello and welcome to the 28th episode of the CCGI podcast. Our last episode featured Dr. Martha Funabashi, a clinical research scientist at CMCC. We discussed SafetyNet, an international and multidisciplinary research team to support patient safety among spinal manipulative therapy providers, or SMT providers. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Doctors Brett Guest and Paul Mastrogostino.
1: Welcome to the show, Brett and Paul. Um, we're hoping we could get you to each introduce yourself so our listeners uh, can kind of start to learn about you, but, and then we'll start asking you some questions.
2: That's perfect. Well, thank you very much for having me, guys. Uh, I guess I should introduce myself first. My name's uh, Brett Guest. Uh, I graduated from CMCC in 2015, and I've been in full-time practice ever since. Uh, most of my practice does focus on treating the general population, although I do have a bit of a focus on rehab and sports. Uh, prior to enrolling at CMCC, I did my Master's in Sports Science and Rehabilitation, so I always try and add in that active component to cement some of the more passive therapies we do, uh, and a lot of my treatments focus around the exercise medicine philosophy. Uh, I know a lot of research out there helps support this notion, and I'm really excited to be with uh, CCGI, because it helps spread uh, the research in a more practical manner.
1: Paul, could we get you to introduce yourself, too?
3: Sure. So, uh, thanks, Gilman and Kent. Um, you know, it's great to be here. Uh, just a little bit about myself. I graduated from the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College in 2014, and then went on to complete residency in clinical sciences. Uh, Currently, most of my time is spent working at uh, the North York uh, General Hospital in Toronto, um, the Assessment and Wellness Centre there, uh, where I'm involved with managing and overseeing contracts through the WSIB.
0: So thanks. Thanks to you both. Uh, Now, both of you are CCGI best practice collaborators and generously donated your time to appraise the osteoarthritis guideline published by NICE, uh, which is also known as the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. Brett, I was hoping you could tell us about the, the scope of this work and also why we should appraise guidelines.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, So given that CCGI helps develop clinical practice guidelines and care pathways based on best available evidence, uh, the goal is really to identify relevant research and existing literature, including other guidelines. This guideline was originally published by NICE. Um, For those that don't know, which was me as well before this work, uh, NICE is a UK health authority that helps provide evidence-based guidelines Uh, to help reduce the variability and improve the quality of treatments and care. Uh, This guidance is designed to improve health and social care in the UK. Uh, So a big thing for us is there's really no need to duplicate this work that's already been done since it was accomplished by NICE uh, and it's so effective to review their guideline, see if it's relevant to chiropractors in Canada and other manual therapists that may be following the clinical practice guidelines issued by CCGI.
0: That's great. And, uh, and, and Paul, I was hoping you could tell us a bit more about how you both appraised the guideline and, and what your process was so that our listeners can understand what went into that.
3: Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, you know, first off, I just have to say that uh, the process was actually relatively uh, pain free for a few reasons. One, uh, you know, we had such a great team working with Brett and also, uh, you know, the very intelligent people at uh, CMCC. Drs. Jessica Wong and Heinan Yu helped us out as well. And uh, two, uh, you know, this was a very comprehensive and well done guideline initiative uh, that was completed by NICE. And it became pretty uh, apparent to us as we were going through it, Um, you know, the team was very uh, detailed in their process, which made our lives uh, much easier when appraising the quality of the work. So, with respect to the actual process itself, we use the AGREE2 tool, which is uh, an international tool that has been um, developed specifically to assess the quality and reporting of practice guidelines. And uh, this tool basically looks at various aspects or domains of the guideline process. you know, from the scope and uh, purpose of the guideline to the members involved, to ensure that there was a representative sample of both practitioners and community members, all the way to the rigor and uh, of the developmental uh, developmental process and um, things like applicability as well are looked at. Uh, so we had four individuals uh, appraise the guideline separately at first, and and the reason for having multiple people is that this increases the reliability of the assessment, and uh, each of the domains have specific questions, and there's 23 questions in total, which are rated on a scale from one, uh, indicating a strongly disagree to, uh, to a seven, which is strongly agree. And this is followed by an overall global rating of the guideline as a whole. So once we did, um, once we did that separately, we had a meeting to reach consensus on each of these items and to provide uh, our general impressions on the guideline and if it was a guideline that can be confidently uh, recommended for use.
0: And and just right. to uh, maybe clarify for our listeners too about the, the guideline itself, I mean it covers diagnosis, assessment and management of osteoarthritis in adults and it covered both pharmacological and non-pharmacological treatments. and. Uh, and, and the guideline really aimed to promote the, the effective treatment options uh, to control pain, improve function and quality of life, uh, and to prevent adverse events in people with osteoarthritis.
1: Yeah, since you guys, are, you both have clinic, clinical experience and training as chiropractors, what can you tell us about some of the key recommendations coming from the guideline? Things that you found in, interesting or useful for, for clinical practice for our listeners?
2: Uh, So I mean, I think uh, from the start, as Galen mentioned, this is a pretty comprehensive guideline covering some diagnostic criteria, management from pharmacotherapy to manual therapies. Uh, And I think a big thing that I got out of this was both the refresher on some diagnostic criteria, but more or less the focus on education and self-management. What treatment is available, the ability to use different modalities that are commonly used amongst chiropractors, including manipulation, ice, heat, and TENS, but the focus on using those as an adjunctive treatment to exercise. Uh, That was one of the big things
3: that I got out of it. So, yeah, I I agree as as well. Uh, One thing that I found interesting, and and Brett alluded to this, the definition of osteoarthritis or the, the target population for which the guideline was directed to. Uh, You know, generally when we think of osteoarthritis, we think of this as being solely a structural finding on diagnostic imaging, but uh, the NICE guidelines define adults with a working diagnosis of osteoarthritis should include uh, an individual with persistent joint pain that becomes worse with use predominantly in people aged 45 years or older, Uh, and as well as uh, morning stiffness lasting uh, no more than half an hour so you know this is demonstrating that this is a diagnosis that is essentially more than just the sum of uh, of the patient's x-ray or mri findings for example and uh, like brett said as well there was a great emphasis on education and self-management strategies Uh, for example recommendations for taking a holistic approach to osteoarthritis assessment and management based on shared decision making between both the practitioner Uh, and the patient Um, and one thing that I also found uh, was very useful was the establishment of core treatment um, in the guideline that they recommended all patients with uh, clinical osteoarthritis should be doing. Um, You know these included access to appropriate information on uh, the diagnosis, uh, activity and exercise including local muscle strengthening, uh, general aerobic fitness, as well as intervention to achieve weight loss if the patient is overweight or obese.
1: Did you guys find anything that really surprised you as, as you were going through this? So one of the
3: things that, uh, that we came across was the, the recommendation uh, for manipulation and stretching um, being used as an adjunct to these core treatments um, that had been established, uh, particularly for osteoarthritis of the hip so again uh, using these manual modalities um, as, uh, as, a, as a component of treatment uh, but also uh, incorporating them with these core treatments that have been established. Um, one of the things that I think surprised all of us when we were going through it was the, uh, the recommendation to not offer acupuncture for management of uh, osteoarthritis um, and Considering that this is, you know, a treatment approach that is widely utilized amongst the chiropractic profession, so we thought this might be a bit of a contentious issue. So we did include a little caveat in the comment section uh, of our summary of the guideline, uh, which can be seen. And uh, you know, a few other things. Uh, one thing that uh, I had suspected based on sort of my own research on the topic, but this guideline sort of solidified was the aspect. Are the recommendation to not offer intraarticular articular hyaluronic injections for the management of osteoarthritis as well as um, referral for you know, arthroscopic uh, debridement or surgical procedures of this nature um, shouldn't be really recommended unless uh, the individual with osteoarthritis has a clear history of you know mechanical symptoms or mechanical locking. so those are a few things that you know I found interesting.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, similar to what Paul mentioned, I, I did find it somewhat surprising that acupuncture was not recommended. As Paul mentioned, we we added in that that comment uh, about it, because we do know that acupuncture is very commonly used amongst the chiropractic profession, and I use it quite a bit in my practice as well. Uh, I think one thing that's important to point out along those lines, though, is that they weren't saying that there wasn't evidence for it, but that there wasn't enough to support it. So they weren't saying that it was necessarily harmful, but that they couldn't confidently say that it provided much benefit. Uh, Along those same lines, I was also surprised uh, about some of the nutritional recommendations, uh, that glucosamine was not recommended, for example. Uh, I know that uh, there's been some meta-analyses done out there that that, uh, show there's benefit uh, to it, and some that show that it's uh, really not that effective. Uh, I believe it was one of those things that was kind of taught to us in chiropractic college, uh, that supplements could be recommended to help with the signs and symptoms of osteoarthritis. Uh, but it's definitely interesting to see in uh, the NICE guideline here that uh, they do not recommend the use of glucosamine.
1: Yeah, that was one thing I, I had noticed in there as well. And, I, you know, whether or not a lot of chiropractors are recommending glucosamine and chondroitin was, is one thing, but certainly a lot of our patients take it. Uh, so that, you know, that certainly opens up a conversation for, you know, on the education front, doesn't it? Oh,
2: hundred percent, and I mean, they really focused on, uh, as Paul mentioned a couple of times already, on the education, self-management. So I think the, even though know, some of these things that they recommended are outside our scope of practice as, as chiropractors, uh, I think it's important to be able to steer patients towards this type of guideline because uh, Nice puts out things directed at patients so that they can be educated about their their conditions.
3: Yeah, no, I was uh, I was just going to add that, um, you know, another thing to keep in mind with this guideline. Uh, is that this was published in 2014 and the search was up until May 2013, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's, it's you know, I think in need of an update, which NICE has indicated would be part of their process, but I, I don't believe uh, provided specific dates. And, uh, you know, another thing that's interesting with respect to acupuncture specifically, and this is something that we had uh, discussed um, as a group, is that there is some contradictory information when comparing it to other guidelines um, that are similar? You know, for example, the American College of Rheumatology—they have guidelines which recommend acupuncture for NEOA. OA, or the Osteoarthritis Research Society International has um, uh, has guidelines that recommend that have recommendations for acupuncture as as uh, uncertain. So a little bit more in line with the nice guidelines. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, this is a guideline, just like all research needs to be considered in the context of patients' goals and expectations and, and preferences, as well as clinical expertise. And I think that's something to, to keep in mind as well.
0: No, you, you both also mentioned how it was interesting that the, um, the recommendations had core treatments and then talked about adjunctive treatments. I mean, as chiropractors, I find often we approach situations thinking or thinking that manual therapy is the core treatment and adjunctive treatments are the exercise and other components. Was it interesting to see it kind of flipped around where the core was, you know, core treatments were local muscle strengthening and general aerobic fitness. And, uh, you know, but now that we're seeing the, the GLAAD programs in Denmark and in Canada, do you think that's a shift we'll start to see more with the management of OA where, where, where that's the case?
2: Uh, yeah, I would... I would definitely say so. I know I have several patients who, who have done the GLAAD program independently of uh, my own practice. They've they found it through uh, different healthcare clinics, through their medical doctor's offices, through, through uh, healthcare facilities, including gyms that they're a part of. And a lot of them have really noticed uh, a benefit, both in terms of the weight loss, uh, the added exercise, and the patient empowerments that they know different things to do on their own and how to try and minimize some of the signs and symptoms of it. As I mentioned at the start, uh, I really try and focus on that active component in my practice. So it's definitely a nice thing for me to see that guidelines such as this, such as the NICE guideline, are really trying to push towards that as being our frontline measure that can be offered. Because I think as chiropractors with our, our extensive musculoskeletal training, we can really offer a lot of that stuff. We just... 10 for whatever reason, to go to work more of the hands-on. But I really think that we have it within our, our scope of practice and our wheelhouse to, to really work with people on the exercise front.
0: I, I was hoping that uh, both of you could tell us a bit about how you use best evidence or, or guidelines in your practice or work settings.
3: You know, one of the roles I play currently is to help to inform uh, practitioners, uh, physicians specifically about Uh, current evidence regarding different therapies Um, and guidelines are, you know, important important to help inform these treatment efforts. So, you know, I I work in an environment that is, I guess, heavily insurance focused and insurance companies are very interested in, in having patients return to full functional recovery and along their clinical course, they are seen by multiple practitioners, therapists, specialists who recommend various treatment interventions. And the question that we get often is uh, if a particular intervention should be considered as a reasonable and effective treatment under the scope of um, this patient's claim and should it be funded? So, you know, current research and, uh, you know, best evidence guidelines uh, is important to help inform these decisions.
2: Yeah, that's great. I work slightly differently from Paul, I I work more in private practice and I find that it's a really good idea to review the evidence produced on commonly seen conditions periodically. Unfortunately, it's really tough to comb through that research, there's a lot that comes out uh, to know where to look for it, Uh, so services like CCGI, uh, like NICE, uh, help to provide clear and concise evidence-based information that is really relevant to practice. Uh, these guidelines will help direct treatment and provide ideas for patient education. Uh, I think we've already talked about how these are guidelines, so they're not written in stone, uh, but they do help to, to steer you and help you make clinical judgments uh, and provide information to your patients as that patient self-care and, and empowerment is such a big part of uh, a lot of the conditions that we see in practice.
1: All right. Well, that that's great. Thanks uh, Thanks for all of this, Brett and Paul, and thanks for your time. It's, it was a real pleasure having both of you here with us. Uh, for our listeners, thanks for tuning in, and feel free to check out our recent whiteboard video on the management of osteoarthritis, uh, The video-used information provided by that NICE guideline, as well as information coming from Health Quality Ontario. It can be accessed on the CCGI YouTube channel. We'll look forward to bringing you our ne- next guest in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.